Hi, this is Design Lota. The podcast about life as Indian designers. I'm Angie. And I'm Sushi. We hope all our listeners are in good spirits as we brave this global situation. If not, we hope that this episode inspires you and gives you hope. We're talking to illustrator Akshaya Zakaria about using art as a medium for conservation awareness and activism. We talk about being a freelancer, raising your voice on environmental issues and using social media to win people over because we are after all social animals. Hmm. <laughs> I think I'm going to just leave it at that. So stick around for our talk with Akshaya and also to hear Sushi's attempt at humming a certain theme song from the 90s. Hi Akshaya and welcome to Design Lota. Why don't you tell us about what you've been up to these days? Hey Sushi, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast series. Thank you so much for having me. So, I have been freelancing for about 2 years now and I've been busy with a few projects with clients actually from different parts of the world now and it's really exciting to have clients like that. Wow. So, a few of them involve me creating cleverly designed pitch decks for media companies. There are a few portrait projects that I do as well and uh, some personal projects that I keep time for. So, I've been dabbling with all of these. Unfortunately, I can't talk about some of the work because it's confidential, but I can assure you that great things are coming. <laughs> so, Aksha, you and I became friends during design school and we've even been in a couple of projects together and I've been following your work for a while now. Mhm. So, how did you decide that you wanted to become an illustrator? What's been your journey so far? So, in my family, I would say that all of us uh, love drawing in some way or the other. My parents have drawn and they've done cartoons when they were younger. My mom's designed outfits for us when we were kids. So a mix of creating things plus hands-on art is what I uh, took on. And my first canvas was, of course, the walls of my house. Nice. Much to the horror of my folks, we had a cassette with old Disney songs, and that's when I began watching and being inspired by Disney movies, Looney Tunes, MGM, so many other cartoons from the nineties. Oh, what was your favorite? I used to love Tom and Jerry, Flintstones, Captain Planet. Really? <laughs> yeah, I did love Captain Planet. I think most of what I do as a conservation artist stems from these cartoons that we watched as kids and Captain Planet played a huge role in making me realize my wow. respect towards nature and its resources. Who was your favorite character in Captain Planet? Oh man. What was your favorite power? <laughs> that is a tricky one. <laughs> I liked Earth. Oh. I'm dying to get my hands on the full series so that I can, you know, watch it and show it to children of this day because they don't know this cartoon at all. I think it would be a lot more popular now. Yes. Than it was in the 90s. Yes, very true. Very it's actually true. cool to be into conservation and sustainability yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and imagine if they thought about it back then in the 90s when there was damage but not many people were talking about it. It's very powerful that they stood up and made a cartoon on it. It's very creative. So all this actually translated to paper and I did love doodling but this was not my first preference to become an illustrator I had dreams of becoming a veterinary doctor but somehow art just kept sneaking back in because I used to love drawing my biology records I loved making cards for friends and gifting them and I knew I wanted to make this a mode of living When I was in tenth standard, I was at a crossroad. I didn't know what subject I wanted to take, whether it was science or whether it was arts. But I chose to take up the arts because that gave me a good platform for me to express myself better 
even if it is being inspired from poetry which i studied or history that i also studied so i had psychology i had history i had english to back me up in terms of thinking creatively even so that w- bolstered me forward to take up a design education at shrishti institute of art design and technology bangalore so it was a good platform for me to step forward and up my skills as uh, a designer or an illustrator so it was an art and uh, design diploma that i received at shrishti it has been challenging finding my way through but once i found a style for myself i knew i was going in a direction that i wanted to so each week in fact has been unfolding new learnings for me that's great you talked about finding yeah. a style for yourself and finding a signature style is one of those elusive things that most designers and artists struggle mm-hmm. to establish and your illustrations uh, over the past couple of years have developed this very distinct crayon mm-hmm. finish style was this something you discovered over the course of your journey and can you talk about how your style has evolved sure so i'm sure each artist has struggled with this at some point and for me i struggled with finding my style ever since i was thrown a boulder by a mentor at shrishti so i used to play around with mixed media art in college and school uh, i used to use photographs watercolor acrylic and then in my final year at shrishti that quest of playing around led me to these beautiful photoshop uh, brushes that i found it reminded me of my first art medium as a child and that was crayons so it did take me back in time and i chose to use this gritty somewhat grungy texture to create illustrations and that would make people more empathetic in a way because it sort of takes them back in time to their first crayon box and makes it much more relatable that way so i decided to move forward with that so do you think using digital media influenced your style also in some way it did um so i used to explore mediums just on paper but then i'd obviously have to scan it and put it up uh, for people to see and the only way i could do that was you know through digital media so even if i wanted to enhance it a little bit using photoshop or illustrator i have that tool and that's sort of like a layer up over what i do you know even if it is just on paper so it is definitely an advantage but nothing beats the sound of pencil on paper i still do go back to it and i sketch uh, as much as i can and keep that as my route uh, before i explore digital so both come hand in hand it's just that how you use one uh, to enhance the other is also a good way to move forward within uh, the field of illustration over oh, i think it's been like the past 2 years that you've been using the brand name elzac for your illustrations on social media and other places where we can see your artwork So can you talk about how you arrived at this brand and what Elzac is all about? So I'll briefly explain what I hope Elzac to be. Elzac Doodles is a space I created where I can be me. It's open, vulnerable, accepting, resilient and always finding different ways to engage with the larger community and to empower them with a voice. So I do hope to make the best of what I do. by looking at current affairs making my followers think act and even share so it's also for me to grow as an artist in fact not just for people visiting my page or following my work so a back story to the name and brand elzac actually when i moved to college a friend of mine got really frustrated with my really long name which is akshay elizabeth zakaria it's really long so he said he's going to 
combine it together and make it elzac which is elizabeth and zachariah and okay. elzac stuck on with me through college everybody used to call me that and i realized that was a more familiar way of addressing myself even on social media so i went ahead with elzac and yeah here we are <laughs> glad that worked out for you yeah also glad that you were able to carry forward your passion for the environment and for animals and the childhood passions in what you do today Mm-hmm. So how did you get into the niche of wildlife conservation through illustration? Hmm. So now is the exciting part that I'm really happy to talk about. So I've grown up watching Animal Planet, Discovery Channel and it's I think thanks to my dad because uh, he's super observant of the environment around. He's always listening closely to any new birds outside, mimicking their calls and our family time was in fact spent watching Komodo dragons chasing this wildlife man that we saw on TV which is Steve Irwin of course and we began learning about various species habitat getting to even spot some insects reptiles or birds outside our neighborhood and i think a fond memory of an experience that i had with a particular species was when we were in school there was a cobra that had gotten into our garage and my parents had called a rescue guy named Anis to come and release the snake into the wild uh-huh. I started becoming empathetic because I saw this firsthand someone rescuing a snake which we were really frightened of. Yeah. So after all that I've helped release an owl in our apartment which had a broken wing. We've rescued a garden lizard that was stuck between a window pane and our stairs. We even tried to rescue a bat but that failed because we were really scared that it would bite us. Oh. <laughs> so you see how convincing animal science was as an option for a career it was so tempting. Right. But I chose to be in the creative space and I the hope to make a difference still tugged at my heartstrings. So in 2018 I chose to get back to it and I realized that raising awareness through art was my best way forward, you know, it's visual it stays longer in the viewer's mind and we grasp things better through illustrations that educate and create awareness at the same time yeah a lot of us uh, including myself and i'm sure a lot of your audience grew up in cities and we probably visited a wildlife sanctuary once a year during our vacation yeah. so this is fascination and longing to be more one with nature but at the same time there is a lack of physical attachment right. like we don't get to see nature in our backyard every day hmm so i would say yeah nature is bountiful it does engulf us wherever we go it's so hard to miss you know even if we're in a concrete jungle and during this lockdown in fact i observed a construction site right outside my home which is left untouched uh, for almost a month now mm-hmm. and i began to see plants growing from exposed roots and cracks in the wall and from soil so i was so amazed at how resilient nature can be but you know beyond this thing of being fascinated by nature i think we ought to take a step back and ask ourselves a few questions like can the children of today even name five flowers or trees in their backyard are we spending more leisure time in malls looking into our screens than observing colors of the leaves or the scent from flowers or even the rainbow hues from wings of a beetle this ignorance and lack of attachment or empathy is what i hope to address through my work and i'd say we look at these ecosystems as homes because they are homes to different creatures and we ought to realize that beyond this fascination we need to snap out of our bubbles and save whatever we can of our home 
and we're also sharing this planet in fact with all these species so we are also saving for our future generations and action right now is what we need to take to move forward if we have to address uh, certain things about conservation because everything is so normalized now okay i see plastic outside i see garbage outside how do we address that and question ourselves and step forward and act because we can talk about it all of us can just talk about it but this acting upon it is what i like to address in my work it's almost putting people in an uncomfortable position but you know that makes them realize the impact that they have on our planet yeah i think i'm one of those weird people who is not but i feel like a lot of city people are quite grossed out by things like lizards and spiders and tiny insects <laughs> yeah. and i think it's it also comes from ignorance right so do you feel like the work you do is also useful in sort of educating people about the fact that this is the role of a gecko in your home hmm. very true the thing is i have the same icky feeling towards uh, creepy crawlies but i've realized in fact i've been educated by other conservation artists who address the role of a gecko in a house or the role of a spider around you know those things have also taught me as an artist so if i am able to learn and act upon that then how much more would my followers also be able to grasp that importance so it's very important for us as artists to be sure of what we're standing for so if we're not sure about something go learn and research and do your work and then come back and address it so i'd say that's very important mm-hmm. and i think it also points to a larger problem of a lack of awareness about how conservation plays a larger role in sustaining yeah. the earth and our daily lives yes. as humans most people are not aware about how something that happens in a jungle would impact people who mm-hmm. live in the city june of last year i had a good exposure or an opportunity i would say to visit arocha it is an organization that works with elephant conservation i did this with a a friend of mine from school we were very curious to understand how people from the city associate themselves with forest or some place that is so far away from the city so mm. it was a good experience for me to observe where elephants gather at a watering hole in the forest itself so it was amazing to be in that space people would say hey an elephant just crossed by here uh, these are the these are the elephant corridors in fact so we traveled on a jeep which was quite a rough ride <laughs> into the deep parts of the forest where we got to see an elephant corridor an elephant corridor is basically a connection between one forest to another for elephants to pass through and i've realized you know over time people and human activity has breached into forests and cut off access for elephants to move from one forest to another so it's very sad i'm glad that i got to see it firsthand and understand the importance of keeping those corridors open and untouched so that elephants can live uh, peacefully and we respect their presence and we mm-hmm. respect the fact that they are these huge beautiful giants on our planet so it's it, it was nice to see that firsthand so you know when i look at it i realize we are not seeing direct impact of what we're doing on our planet it's like our garbage is going to a dump nobody knows where this dump is nobody knows what is being segregated so no one wants to show that empathy towards segregating your waste or ensuring that there is minimal waste as possible or even minimal use of plastic so not seeing this direct impact is what a lot of people have actually told me in fact older people when i talk to them 
some of those who are ignorant would say hey i'm not seeing a bird getting stuck uh, in a plastic bag so why do i have to act upon it but i think it's very important for us to constantly address it even at, at this time i think the covid-19 pandemic human activity and the impact of human activity is what is causing our planet to just bleed so this thing of slowing down right now as is a big lesson for us to take back where we've just been producing massively and not being willing to take care of what is around us and what little we have even if it is a tiny green space outside your home how are you caring for it how are you bringing back insects and birds or bees even to that space so that's so important to have these conversations and constantly question ourselves as to are we doing enough why do you think conservation is an important conversation that we need to have as artists and designers specifically and how do you think that we can help in conservation in a country where the power is held by the politicians mm. or capitalists yeah so there is so much we can do but i think it's important for us to be conscious of all the smaller things and i would say we start from within our homes and then we move on to a larger community and at this point i'd say you know politicians and big manufacturing companies they tend to take environmental laws like a joke uh, they're more interested in monetary gain and boosting their economy and they they really don't care so you see if you look at earth day earth day was just a few days back it started 50 years ago but look at us we're in a pandemic stricken world now and it's a hard lesson we're learning it through a loss of lives and you know being on lockdown is just making us stop dead in our tracks and now i feel is when artists and designers should step up using the digital space to our advantage continue to make art raise awareness make as much noise about what is going on as much as possible hmm. i would also say we be conscious about the amount of paper we use because as illustrators we tend to hoard on a lot of uh, books and journals and things like that because they look pretty i am guilty to that and i would say <laughs> take a step back and slow down with the whole buying of journal so why don't we look at reusing paper so i would also go further and say refuse disposables even if it is your paints that come in plastic uh, little plastic dabbas i would say refuse that as much as possible if you find natural dyes for paints there are so many options for you to test out and you will get different colors that you would never get when you use colors that have been dyed and uh, with all artificial another fun fact is as an artist even the bristles of our brushes ought to get checked because some brushes manufacture using mongoose hair and plenty of artists i've i've seen buy brushes without even knowing what is used on these brushes they're so good but uh, it is actually illegal to hunt and kill mongoose and uh, their parts for profit so we as artists do need to do our research on the mediums we use as well and all this can happen only when we make an effort as individuals and then come together as families and then from their communities and then a larger impact so an example that i can think of is if a designer is working in a big company then look at promoting initiatives around the environmental days in the calendar for example world water day on on that day probably you can check your water consumption at your workspace for that day and you know you're raising awareness through world water day at your workspace and there are so many creative ways to keep us all in check to even live a sustainable life yeah 
And like you mentioned about the whole idea of an artist not knowing that they are using a brush with mongoose hair. I think it's it's a very difficult thing to get into because it kind of opens up a can of worms when you realize that the very thing that you do is what is threatening the environment. So uh, since I am a product designer, there was this realization and conflict that I'm putting more stuff into the world. So if I'm not a product designer, then what am I and how do I deal with that whole concept, right? right? But then I think it's very important to ask those questions to then enable you to pivot or like just really change the entire way you practice. And maybe that can help define a new direction for your work. Correct, correct. As well. Yes. So the thing is, I would also say, don't go all at once and, you know, cut off from all sorts of mediums that you use that are harmful for the environment. It's a slow process, you know, it takes time, even if it is two years, three years, take your time and do research. There are so many resources available for you to check what you're using and whether that is damaging for the planet. So take your time with it because it can get overwhelming when you drop everything and stay away from it completely. So it's it's a step-by-step process, I would say. Hmm. So would you like to run us through the process of how you create some of your more refined illustrations? Hmm. I will talk about specifically work related around conservation. I usually plan out an environmental calendar that lists all the environmental days possible. So I take a particular day and if I want to address something around it, uh, say plastic pollution or marine pollution, I would ideate sketch on paper and then go digital. Now that I work on a tablet, some of my rough drawing is also done digital. So I familiarized myself with both ways as approaches to start off with. Mm. Then I begin to refine it and I'd probably make small comic strips or illustrate fun ways to save as a series because I don't want this to sound like a doomsday narrative. I do want people to understand that it's something that they can still enjoy And if you still want to enjoy it, then these are certain initiatives that you take in order to protect your planet and your environment around you. So staying away from the doomsday narrative is very important. It's read in a couple of books where they say, don't scare people with this. Instead, give them that ray of hope that there is a possible solution. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I had also done a project which involved a game design, teaching children how to conserve resources and wildlife as well. Since some of this stuff was really new to me, I tried to look up resources on our favorite worldwide web. And I kept coming up with conflicting resources. Like the same animal would look very different on two websites. Or the habitat mentioned would be different. And of course, this being the internet, it could have had a lot of inauthentic information as well. So How do you make sure that the resources that you are looking for when doing research for a particular illustration, how do you know that it's accurate and it's correct? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Now, in 2018, when I did the 36 Days of Type series, the Endangered Species series, I planned it out actually two months before so that I had enough time to do my research get the right information. That was the first major thing that I wanted to clear off uh, from my head. Because yes, like you said, uh, the World Wide Web can be very conflicting. There are a lot of resources out there and a lot of facts because I'm talking even about fact in the work that I do. So what I decided to do was cross-check with organizations that are involved in the conservation of certain species. So if it was the tiger or the pangolin or the red panda, 
I would reach out to, mm-hmm. uh, for example, WWF because I was working very closely with them. Uh, however, this being a personal project, I had the liberty to reach out to a few uh, friends from WWF, and they went through my list and they looked at the work that I put together, and they ensured that what I was getting were from right resources. So they led me to the IUCN page, which talks about each and every species in great detail. their habitat um, you know how many are left in the planet so having a conversation and and a way to reach out to certain organizations that are involved in it full time is your best way forward i would say instead of just depending on google and reaching out to the first link that pops up on google so it's important to build that relationship with organizations around and another way is you know they got to know about the work that i was doing and they were keen on it so it builds that relationship and you know they are able to share your work around so there are both sides to it where you ask for information and then they help you and they promote your work as well so it was a great way for me to keep my information and facts in check and there's so much research that is involved in fact research is equal to the work that you're doing if not more important and then the rest is making the art relatable and fun yeah So can you tell us more about your association with WWF? WWF International is where I started uh, becoming very closely associated because they saw this series and I used to just shamelessly tag them in all my posts hoping that they'd see my work. <laughs> and I'm so glad that they did. They were really excited for that project when I did it in 2018. And then I stepped on to becoming a WWF Voices member uh, and it's been over a year and a half now with this international team. so it's very exciting because the others in the team are passionate about wildlife as well some of them are filmmakers researchers naturalists writers explorers and so many uh, fields like this and then there's me an illustrator so what i really like about working with wwf international and this wwf voices team in fact was that the creativity is left to me in certain ways i can come up with creative ways to raise awareness or they suggest fun ideas and then we discuss collaborate and then we take it from there so it's all about collaboration at this point sounds a lot like captain planet <laughs> yeah very much so i think so you know a few projects that i have been closely related to wwf is the earthar campaign which was on march 28th we got to meet a few of the team members on video call and they're doing some amazing work some have even discovered new species of insects so it's wow. it's quite interesting to work with such people so i've done their countdown assets leading to the earth day in itself so and i've also taken inspiration from the work that they do in creating my own series for earth hour so the 36 days of type uh, 2020 was themed around earth hour and ways in which we can participate before during and after earth hour this association with wwf also pushed me to pitch for a masthead illustration for times of india for earth hour because this event i realized wasn't spoken of much on the front uh, pages of the papers so i decided hey if i'm all about making noise to switch off and conserve then i'm all in and i'm so glad that i got to do it for toi because that was just the beginning so did you manage to get a copy of the newspaper in all this lockdown madness yeah so the thing is our apartment prevented us from getting papers from outside so my dad had to go down the road to pick it up we managed to get one thankfully and i'm so glad that we could so i do have a copy for myself <laughs> <laughs> 
So when we look at your Instagram feed, we see a lot of visual journaling amidst what you would also call your work work. So apart from conservation, you have these posts and illustrations talking about your own personal experiences. How has this been an essential part of what you do? So I believe that as an artist, it's also good to take a break from the work-related stuff. Let our mind flow and what's on my Instagram handle is a result of that. So it's a time when I can completely let go. There is no brief. Who knows, maybe an idea would pop up during this time and it would probably give me a chance to add it to my portfolio or even aid me in my own client work. So there are still ways in which you can explore visual journaling and uploading it and getting feedback from people. It's still valuable to me as an artist. So what I do ensure to carry uh, as a practice is taking a journal with me uh, and a stationary uh, box with me while I travel, even if it is to a client meeting. So because an idea can hit you at any point and we've got to be ready to take this down on paper with these weapons that we have. So it's just very important to practice that in your daily life. Right. How do you reach out to your audience beyond Instagram and social media? When I have a good uh, connection with a lot of my audience, I'm sure word gets traveled around. And I believe that friends who truly support the work that I do, they do share it with other people. And another really fun way to interact with an audience outside of social media would be through flea markets. Uh, even if I'm not putting up a stall there, going to a flea market and interacting with other artists also opens up conversation Physical interaction is also very powerful in terms of uh, exchanging ideas and, you know, possible collaborations later. So that's got a huge upside to moving outside of your social media circle. And a lot of these flea markets are focused on sustainable living. So you meet people from different disciplines, but they're all working towards the same things. Yes, it's true because... I think artists and designers are becoming more aware of what they're using and what impact they have on the planet. And it's a great way to push yourself forward when you believe in a cause that is very, very precious to what is going on around us. Now it's become a lot more popular to attend flea markets, right? And also to do flea markets. And it's become expensive (laughs) as well. It is, it is. (laughs) I've done one flea market, to be very honest, put up one stall And the reason why I haven't continued on it is because I am trying to be more conscious of the paper that I'm using. You know, even if I was selling my postcards initially and started off with that for the endangered species, I used to ensure that my packaging was sustainable. But deep down for myself as an illustrator that is practicing conservation and art, I didn't want to use paper that is not sustainable. I want to find solutions to what I'm printing and how I'm printing it as well. In fact, even how I'm posting it to people is also very important. So I tend not to courier it or if there's air miles involved, I tend not to do that. I'd rather post it. I chose not to print my products right now instead keeping it digital because that's what I want to work towards, finding a solution and ensuring that my products are still sustainable and you know, ensuring that my audience is also aware of this fact. That's really great because we were discussing earlier, sometimes what we do itself is unsustainable in some small way. So you either get stuck or you can pivot and make use of alternative resources or ideas that are less heavy on the environment. Yeah. And also people are watching you. It's important because when people are observing your lifestyle, 
we ought to live the way we speak and the way the way we're talking and how we're promoting this idea of living a sustainable life definitely so coming back to being an illustrator what are some of the things that you do to get out of a creative rut and not depend only on the aha moments <laughs> i try not to overthink when i reach a point when i can't move forward and i know when i am so it it, it can get frustrating but i decide to just take a break from what i'm doing i go out for a walk i do a completely different activity from what i was doing sometimes i'll bake or make myself a snack play the guitar or even read a book you know watch cute dog videos even to get myself out of that heavy space and lately i found solace in gardening with whatever i can get from around the apartment because of this lockdown i can't really go out and buy um, you know a whole bunch of pots and seeds and things and that is actually quite soothing to the brain because it gets my mind off that problem i might even sleep it off if it is late at night because when you call it a day it gives you a fresh perspective when you come back after this big break and it really helps also another thing i've realized is to learn to accept that this creative journey is bound to have its mountain and valley experiences so being in a creative rut every now and then it can be daunting can be exhausting but it is a good sign for us to keep learning and growing so what's your favorite part about being a freelance illustrator ah so here's the best part i get to be my own boss <laughs> but jokes aside it is great i get to choose projects that are challenging that are interesting informational even to my growth and learning as a freelance illustrator i even get to pitch ideas to potential clients and it gives me a platform to build my contacts broaden the kind of work i get as well and even converse with so many folks via email or social media or even like earlier when i spoke of at flea markets as well and this would lead to possible collaboration so it gives me good amount of time to attend talks and workshops and sessions to even enhance my skills as an illustrator and even in the field of conservation so i do get time for personal projects as well so you know all this has its perks now that you have sold all our listeners on being a freelance illustrator <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you face being a freelance illustrator yeah so <laughs> the the freelance business in general we have to accept can be a lonely affair having no one around to share a meal with laugh about work or even seeking critical feedback from is very tough in the early phase of your freelance journey and i face that too but that's when collaboration comes into play because when you talk and converse with people who are also freelancing and in the same field as you even if they are a creative writer and you're a freelance illustrator collaboration works very nicely because you get to do your own project together and working with an artist that shares that similar view can spruce up the freelance game so over the two years of me freelancing the last few months have made me look beyond the challenges and use every opportunity there is uh, also this fear of you know what next in terms of business because you're depending not on a fixed income but it it comes in waves so you need to develop a schedule where you understand your long term projects and your short term projects mm-hmm. put down your budgets and you know your expenses and your finances and when you're able to control all of that and keep that in check that is when you develop good relationships 
with your clientele also and you'll be assured that they can come back for more projects as collaboration or working with you and i would say the good clients would always come back for more work so it's been great that way so i'm sure there were a lot of learning milestones along the way yes a lot of explained to you <laughs> both positives and negatives but all for the better that's encouraging so i've noticed that you seem to have a very good uh, relationship with your social media i personally find social media pretty daunting and mm-hmm. i have to put in a lot of effort to actually keep it going but you seem to be having a sort of flourishing relationship with social media so how do you manage that i'll be very honest i think i didn't start off in a space where i wanted to share my work as an illustrator i always had a doubt as to whether i would be good enough this is right after i stepped out of college because i knew that i had to push myself out there if i want to reach out to people and i want to work with different people so it was very important for me to address this question of how much am i going to put uh, of my work out there mm-hmm. i tried to look back and see if i can keep my work relatable and interactive and that's what i did with the endangered species i created a platform where I ensure that the followers can relate to what I put out there and it's been good to receive messages from people and receive all this support in the work that I do because when you create an interactive space there is so much learning that's happening people get excited for small giveaways and I did that I I I spent time in uh, looking at clues that I could give for my viewers to pick up on and guess the animal so there's a lot of things that you can do with so social media it doesn't have to be uh, you know just one way of you putting yourself out there but it can also be a way in which the viewers can come back to you and say hey i remember this animal from when you did this series so it's very encouraging to hear that i am yet to promote my work financially on social media i've seen a lot of these you know ways in which i can promote myself through ads and things but for now i feel it's about empowering people with this voice to make a difference before it's too late so i do have occasional games on the instagram stories with some wildlife trivia i make it a point to keep my page alive through awareness even if it is just supporting other artists as well so mm-hmm. i would say i share share and keep sharing work done for conservation even if it is not your own work it's important that people understand that it is a good conversation starter and it is a good way to raise awareness so speaking about other conservation artists or other people you follow whose work you share who are some of the creative people you look up to ah uh, so this is quite a long list but i'm going to try my best to get the good ones out there uh, i take inspiration actually from people in the arts overall so i don't focus just on illustration or just on photography i would look at the classics andy warhol picasso van gogh even herge the cartoonist that did tintin there are wildly artists that i take inspiration from in terms of you know these little stick figures and telling a story through art and some current favorite artists are adam jacobs there's timothy goodman Lisa Congdon does some brilliant work and even Marie Andrew for visual journaling wherein she creates this vulnerable space of opening up herself and using words and illustrations to sort of tell a story so it's really nice to take inspiration from people in that and 
in the field of conservation art i would say artists from the current conservation magazine are really brilliant their entire magazine in fact is so illustrated and um it tells a lot of stories of conservation and people in that field rohan chakravarty's green humor page is also very hilarious and informational i love that one i i look forward to his posts in fact and that is in the field of illustration and conservation art and in literature also uh, particularly the bildungsroman genre i would say harperly and khaled husini have shaped my initial years when i was growing up reading their books have been so inspiring um, enid blyton is also there roald dahl the ladybird books for all these uh, illustrated and uh, beautiful book covers that i've seen it's opened up a whole world of imagination for me and that's where i enjoy children's literature there are a lot of 19th and 20th century poets also that i take inspiration from and who i studied in in school so all these play a huge role in my creative thinking and uh, there are even photographers that i haven't mentioned a few filmmakers like wes anderson and tim burton that are also in there so i do have a plethora of creative people that i take inspiration from but it is amazing to have these people and movements that inspire and sort of tickle this creative thinking not just in illustration but in various ways and from all angles yeah so speaking of not just in illustration what are some types of assignments that you haven't yet done but hope to do in the future okay so one major thing that i want to get ticked off my bucket list is to create picture books for children to learn more about nature and not just picture books it can be even flash cards or a pack of bingo cards and i do want to create a space that allows for children to learn and interact and uh, this happening simultaneously opens up a whole new world to learn from nature and what is around you so yeah. i do hope to pitch an idea for an illustrated book that involves this learning and growing I also do want to explore and engage with more organizations involved in conservation because you know right now it's been limited but uh, I do hope to pitch for projects that I can work with many organizations that are involved say, in marine conservation or uh, forest research many things so the the possibilities are endless but I do hope to get involved in this some way or the other. All right. So, do you have any advice for aspiring illustrators or wildlife conservationists? For illustrators, aspiring illustrators, I would say, you know, don't give up on what you love. Don't allow anyone to dictate what path you should take, even if it means making a switch in careers. I believe in investing in your passion and you will know if it is your calling when that fire in your heart is just constantly growing each and every day and yearning to be in a space that you are most happy in so don't ever give up on that uh, quest or that journey and i think the one thing that we need to remember is not every day is going to be you know all sunny days and blue skies you are bound to hit roadblocks and challenges so seeking help and finding mentors is so important talking to people in this field is also uh very important and we need to be our biggest motivators always it's important that we yeah. keep encouraging ourselves and believing in ourselves the, all the more and this belief when you translate that to conservation i feel we need to support the work that conservationists are doing um they do in fact doing way more work than we are we are just sitting behind our screens or our papers but they're doing so much more work and it's inspiring to be a part of that journey so 
continuously learn from nature and strive to protect it so i would say keep raising your voice for the planet just like what wwf believes in in whatever way we can just keep raising your voice and you can go forward from there captain planet he's a hero come on sushi you're all fired up to go and change the world <laughs> uh, for me this discussion really enforced that actually knowing is more valuable than just knowing about things uh, which can be the case when it comes to the environment it's like the government casually asking citizens to plant trees versus actually framing policies that prevent trees from being cut down hmm. art can play a role in helping people understand these intricacies in a real and actionable way and as designers and artists we sometimes shy away from making work that is obvious simple elementary and we seek the sophisticated ironic path so that we come across as clever very true the focus should be on the audience and how to win them over yeah it's definitely more about motivating those who don't get it uh, let's empower each other and keep improving instead of saying you can't be a part of this club till you can go to 100% It can also be frustrating when not everyone sees an issue as intensely as you see it especially your peers. Yeah. And we can sometimes feel the issues are gigantic and whatever we do is too little and it may not make that much of a difference. That's why it's great that social media helps us find and approach folks who do get it, mm-hmm. like-minded organizations and people so that you don't feel like you're the only one who cares about a cause. and you're bound to find champions already doing some great work hmm. but what do you do if you don't have champions in your exact niche i found it useful to look for champions in fields beyond my niche and that might involve piecing together stories and insights from a mix of people for example i recently started following the work of these two botanists who document the weird things that plants do hmm. which helps me in my exploration of biomimicry as a product designer that's really cool and that does make sense because as designers we are cross learners also you never know how your work will be perceived a couple of years down the line even if nobody cares about it right now hmm. it's like what entrepreneur sarah blakely says everyone told me no this is not a great idea but it just means you've come up with something brand new i can't vouch for spanks being good for the environment <laughs> but i can definitely vouch for that quote Hey listeners, have you ever printed a bunch of posters about not cutting trees? Tell us on Instagram with the hashtag #iprinted to save paper. <laughs> you can find the transcript and references for this episode on our blog designlota.com. Stay safe and stay tuned for more stories from Indian designers. Until then, bye. bye.